you're reigniting the pattern. And every time you think it, you link it. And so that's the foundational principle of neuroscience. It's called Hebb's Law. Neurons that fire together, wire together. Or I say, when you think it, you link it. So every time you think you have a character defect, you are linking that pathway tighter and tighter and tighter. And your brain cannot accept character defect as not being personal. Like you are the character that's defective. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. I am pleased to be joined today by Stacy Danford, educational neuroscientist who helps people in recovery live their best life. Welcome to the show, Stacy. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am thrilled to have you on. I've been looking forward to the show all week because I am a fanboy of what you do. I love the whole neuroscience conversation, and I love your approach with people in addiction. And I want to talk with you today about character defects, which we talk a lot about in 12-step groups, and we've had conversations about those, where it's something that's maybe about you that keeps coming up over and over again that you want to work on. It could be, I I would say it's something that maybe people view in recovery as negative about themselves. And you have been leading this discussion on, is it a character defect or is it a trauma response? So I wanted to kind of put that out to you about the whole idea of trauma in recovery and these auto responses that click in. Yes. I am going to probably be the controversial person on that word character defect because people aren't aware necessarily that words are in your brain because your brain is processing all the words that you know and defect there's no way your brain can process that positively. You know, if a car has a defect, you send it back. If, you know, your car seat has a defect, it gets recalled. That word in your brain has a schematic pattern, which is like a little map that is going to a little section that is always going to represent something negative. So then you add character defect. You add that on the beginning So that means your character is defective and that's going to always activate negative pathways in your brain, which are going to induce negative chemicals in your brain. So I realize that word is, is part of the whole recovery process. It's a longstanding foundational principle, which is good. The principle behind it, meaning there are things about you that are creating this negative pathway that you could alter, that is, that's awesome. But the word itself is already triggering pathways that are shooting you before you get out of the gate. You're, it's yeah. stopping you. Well, you know, and- the reason why I want to do this show real quick, just to, to interject in what you said, and I'd like you to elaborate this key point, because this okay. is going to be a controversial show, because people uh, that have done 12 steps, you know, they go through this process and they identify these things that they call character defects, right? We call character defects, and they're patterns that keep popping up in our life that we want to address. Um, and your approach is so unique. I like what you said about it's positive that the fact that you can't identify that it's a pattern, 
yeah. right? Just the whole fact that you can identify it, but the fact that somehow that it can be relieved um, through spirituality or through some sort of higher power thing might not, uh, yes, of course, obviously anything is possible and it could happen, but really there's kind of an easier, softer way that you can take action on right. with neuroscience, right? Yes. And, and I would say definitely in the world of neuroscience, it, it is, we would call it a brain pattern. And so what is being called in, in the recovery camp as a character defect, neuroscience would call a hab habit pattern, a habitual process or a brain pattern. And that just means you've got a pathway that your brain thinks you want to go down because you've used it over and over and over and over. And your brain doesn't know good from bad. It knows speed and efficiency and protection. That's it. That's all it cares about. Your brain is lazy. It doesn't want to make new pathways. So this defect or habit pattern you've used a hundred times, your brain says, oh, I know what you do when you're upset. I know what you do when you're anxious. And you just follow a pattern. So when you understand it's a pattern, a pattern is fixable, but a defect sounds like a permanent situation that is, you've got to start all over. You got to get a new car if yours has a defect. So the difference is the language because your brain understands language. There's no word that you're hearing that your brain is not processing. There's no word you're thinking that your brain is not processing. So defect Effect instantly triggers something's wrong. Pattern is just, oh, I, I, this is a pattern. That's a pattern. This is a pattern. Patterns are wired in, which is wonderful news because that means they can be wired out. Well, we know that we, we know that a lot of recovery is about changing our thinking. Right. A lot of it is. A lot of it is, you know, alcoholics and, and people who suffer from drug abuse and addiction in general, um, we know that there's a thinking component. Anyone who is in recovery knows that there's a thinking component and that thinking needs to change. But what you said about that, using the word character defect, and when you're saying there's something wrong, I would even say it's like, there's something wrong with me. Yes. You know, and it's, and, and in a way, I, after talking with you, I kind of got what you were saying at first I didn't, but then I'm realizing it's like, oh, by just pounding into the ground that there's something wrong with me over and over and over, I'm in a way re-traumatizing myself, correct? Yes. And you're reigniting the pattern. And every time you think it, you link it. And so that's the foundational principle of neuroscience. It's called Hebb's law. Neurons that fire together, wire together. Or I say, when you think it, you link it. So every time you think you have a character defect, you are linking that pathway tighter and tighter and tighter. And your brain cannot accept character defect as not being personal. Like you are the character that's defective. And yeah. so of course it's personal. There's loads of shame and guilt attached to our character, how we behave, all of those things. I mean, that's just every child. When we say that was a good boy or a bad boy, that's your character. That's who you are. And to have a defective character, 
that's very traumatizing to the human brain. You know, I think it's, it's when we first talked, I, I think the comment I said is if what you're saying is true, because I, I was skeptical, right? I said, if what you're saying is true, this is the biggest thing. One of the biggest things that happened in the recovery movement in, I would say since the thirties and forties, right? Because we've seen this in high performance coaching. People that coach hyper, like neuroscientists, educational neuroscientists that do high performance coaching for business people, for athletes, for anyone, right? That wants to work at a high performance level. It's all about the input that you're putting into your brain, right? What are you actually, that self-talk that you're telling ourselves and this whole thing of being on the circle that something's wrong with me, it's not being relieved. It must be me, this constant thing, actually making it worse, making the pattern worse and not making it better, I find fascinating. And it's a different way to look at what's actually going on. Yes. And I mean, we wouldn't put on our businesses, business defect. <laughs> we wouldn't put on our family on the front door, family defect. So, I mean, why would we say that about ourselves? Because your brain knows what you think about you. You are the most important thing to your own human brain. And if your brain believes you are defective, it will respond from a place of being defective. And it's so important for people to understand you can still take the principles that this character defect brought you. The principles may be fabulous. The process may be fabulous. The wording is traumatizing. So take the process, take the action steps, and look at it through a different lens. It's like having the wrong glasses on. It doesn't mean you've got crappy eyes. It means the glasses on it are not giving you the best vision. So when you have this character defect lens on your brain, that's the lens your brain's looking through. But if you well, take yeah. those off, put on pattern, brain pattern glasses, you're like, oh, I see it so differently. Well, let me ask you this million dollar question here. Okay. How do you know if it, if it is a trauma pattern, how can you identify, wow, trauma patterns are going on in my life right now. And that is, it, it's this, it's a trauma pattern. It's not just, I'm feeling lazy and I'm being lazy, right. Or I'm right. not taking action at a certain point in my life. How do you, how do you actually recognize that it is a trauma pattern? I would say there's a little bit different depending on how the person's behavior is activated, but there's traumas and then there's triggers. So, and then they can, they can go together, but they can also work separately. So when we're triggered, maybe that's like someone cutting you off in traffic or um, I don't know, like the girl not making eye contact with me at target that triggers my brain into a state of irritation or anxiety, but the person in traffic just irritates me because they cut in front of me. Now I'm going to be makes me want to like honk or whatever. The person in target, however, even though that seems so insignificant for me personally, that's related to a trauma. And it took years for me to figure the difference out. But because I did a trigger journal for six months, that was part of the process of learning what your trauma is. But our professor used to tell us to ask the question why until there were no more whys left. So if you say like, why does the lady not making eye contact with me at Target make me mad? And I would go, why? Because that's rude. 
Why do I think that's rude? Because that's disrespectful. Why is that disrespectful? And you just keep asking, keep asking, keep asking until you get to the root. And for me, the root was it makes me feel unimportant and invisible. That is my childhood trauma, being raised by an alcoholic father and an alcoholic grandfather who, unless I was really doing something big, I was invisible. So this lady unknowingly activated that. So I think people sometimes feel like every irritation is is trauma or a bad habit, but really we only have very few trauma processes But little things, just like the lady at Target, can activate that trauma in your brain. And it's so important to, I think, for people to keep a trigger journal. I make all of my clients do that at least six weeks. Just write down what makes you happy, what makes you sad, what makes you upset. Just jot a note. I was in line at Target or I was in the grocery store and there was no meat in the hamburger aisle, you know, whatever it is. And then start looking at the common denominators. Figured out my pattern was, oh my gosh, all of these things make me feel unimportant and invisible. Yeah, because I think this is the thing that people that are in recovery are having these aha moments right now. Because I think in recovery, so much of the question is, what's my role in it? What's my role in it? Which is great because- I think especially in early recovery, there is a big role in it. Things that maybe that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing or that you need to look at that you're not looking at. And you have to take personal responsibility in order to recover. But as it goes along, you might realize, you know, and this is very common in, in, in recovery conversations is somebody's like, well, I don't know why I acted like that. Like in target, why, why did I feel that feeling that yeah. really weird feeling. And why do I keep feeling it over and over? And I'm acting like I'm 10 years old and I'm not 10 years old. Right. And you shared with me that you're stuck. People are stuck about when they had the age that they actually had that trauma response and they'll keep yeah. living that when those triggers happen over and over and over again, as if they were the age that they first experienced it. Yes. And it's so, so take this exact target lady thing. That's not a character defect. That is a trauma pattern. But now that I think, oh, it's a pattern, patterns are fixable versus it's just I'm defective. Something's wrong with me because the lady at Target made me mad. Oh, my gosh, I'm I'm worthless. That gives you power instead of taking your power away. Defectiveness, you have no power over it. Like if your car has got a defect, you got no power. You got to take it somewhere else give it to someone who has the power. When it's a pattern, you have the power. And this particular pattern for me is locked as a child about the age of four. It's when I first started feeling this pattern and it's followed me the rest of my life. And now that I know that my brain locks the trauma at the age the trauma occurred for all of us. Your brain doesn't know good or bad. It knows how to protect you. And by reminding you of how terrible this felt, it thinks it's protecting you. So every time I feel that trauma, that trigger, I go back to this four little four-year-old girl who was like waiting for somebody to notice me. My brother was just born. My mom brought him home. All the people were coming to the house to see my brother. My mother had given me a terrible perm, 1972, 
fried my hair. And I remember people were coming to the house and they just looked at me and made faces and then would go tell my brother how, oh my God, he's so cute. I didn't know I was four. I thought my mother made me ugly on purpose and I felt like a nobody. Presents, I, you know, I'm four. I'm thinking nobody brought me a present. So I can't, that's not a defect. That's a pattern that my brain has absorbed. But now what role do I play in it? Now I know, oh, Stacy, that's why that's there. This isn't the lady at Target's fault. You're not messed up. What action steps can you take to move you out of the pattern instead of waiting for some, somebody to come poof, fix it for you until you're no longer defective? And that's the difference that neuroscience plays is it gives you action steps to alter patterns instead of waiting for something to change. This is so great because I think this brings hope to a lot of people that are in recovery that maybe wake up every day and say, well, you know, God hasn't removed this from me. Here I am and I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm really trying. I'm trying to break that, but I don't understand why keep, and which we talked about, which leads back into the cycle. So just to be clear, what you're saying is these triggers, you can identify what they are and you actually can heal them. Yes. Actually can make sizable change in how you respond. Can you totally heal them? Can you totally erase them from your, from your trauma will always be there according to the latest research. Um, the trauma will, is locked in your brain, but your awareness of it gives you power. That is the role you play. That's where you go back to the principles of the character defect. What role do you play in this? That's where that's fabulous because giving you power gets you to change your action and actions are what change brain patterns that does help you move out of it. That gets you out of that cycle. You don't have to be a victim and wait for some capricious being to give you, take it away from you. You can take action steps to move yourself out of the pattern. Once you realize the pattern is there. This is great. This is such a relief for, I know for people that are listening to this And I, you know, where I see neuroscience and a 12 step process, it almost works hand in hand. It's not either, or, you know, because what I'm hearing is, is that, wow, you know, the 12 steps and character, you know, even though the word character defects, isn't necessarily great, right? The process of being able to become aware that something might not be right is absolutely amazing, but yet using this neuroscience technology and the science of this to reprogram the way that you look at this and to have a different awareness, I think with those two are very powerful put together. I do too. And I think it's so, and it doesn't mean that those people were ill-intentioned or they were trying to hurt your brain. That was the best they knew at the time. Now, because we have technology, we can see inside a human brain. I've seen a living brain myself. I've seen my own brain. And I know what words do to the triggers in your brain. And that word defect sends a signal to your brain that something is wrong with you. So take the good, take the good, alter what we know is different now and move forward using the fabulous you know, action steps, the fabulous step. This was a great step. Use the step, change the language. 
Stacy, this has been a very powerful episode. And, you know, concluding this here, I, I'd like to hear your final thought. If somebody's out there and they're listening to this and they've identified that they might have these triggers, they too were at Target and had a similar feeling <laughs> or something similar is going on with them. What would be your message to them about how they can go about addressing this in their life and getting some healing? I would say first and foremost, for everybody out there to realize you're not broken. You are not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You may have a behavior that's undesirable. You may have a habit that's undesirable, but you have a brain that is designed to follow patterns. That's the way the brain is built. And when you understand those patterns, you have a key to altering them. And the very first step is awareness. And you cannot fix something you are not aware of, which is why, you know, when you first begin this process, you become aware of so many things. But understanding why you do what you do is, is golden. You cannot change something that you do not know exists. I would tell everybody to create a, a trigger journal, track your brain, track what's happening in there. Is something silly and small actually creating these big feelings for you? If so, there's probably trauma locked behind it. And then the third thing I would say is to be aware that this is a pattern and understand that if a pattern was put in, a pattern can be changed and start taking small action steps. Number one, talk to yourself. If you don't talk to your brain, your brain will talk to you. The problem is it says what it's always said because that's the way it was designed. And when I feel myself have a trigger activated by this trauma, I start talking to my brain. That's your lizard brain. And I gave my lizard a name years ago and his name is Earl. And I got that from the Dixie Chick song, Earl's Gotta Die. Separate your patterns from you. You are not your patterns. No baby comes into this world with a pattern full of limiting beliefs. These patterns were put into you by your life experiences. And when you separate you, the human, from you, the pattern, it is life altering. So when I have these trigger moments, I'll like, Earl, there you are again. Thank you for coming with me to Target. I see that you're here to protect me, but this lady is not a threat to me. She doesn't know my childhood issues. She doesn't know I feel unimportant. Maybe she's really busy. Maybe she didn't even see me. And I start talking to my lizard brain. Once you take back control of your lizard brain, your lizard will start releasing the chemicals and it starts subsiding. But when you do nothing, it thinks it has to protect you and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger trying to keep you safer and safer and safer. But when you say, oh, I got this, I know action steps. I can call a sponsor. I can talk to my head. I know I've been triggered. I've got an action plan. Earl, get back in the buggy. <laughs> I'll see you later. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, uh, Stacey Danford. And where can they find out more about you and your work? I would say go to my website, thegratefulbrain.com. And I, on Instagram at Stacy Danford, Stacy with an I, I'm always giving brain tips on there. 
I think your brain power is your superpower, but only if you know how to use it. Stacy's also on now. We have a, a group for Stacy that's all about neuroscience and addiction on Recovered Life as well. And she's always popping in and answering questions. And there's a lot of lively conversations as well. So we're going to put all of your social media channels uh, on the show notes here. And I'd like to thank you so much for coming, coming with us today and explaining the brain and how that actually works with addiction. Thanks so much, Stacy. Thank you for having me. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.